Welcome to Wi-Fi Matters. So, in order to be financially literate, we need to understand ongoing global events. Social injustice has been prevalent throughout human history, but in recent weeks there's been a lot of attention on racism. People from all over the world have come together to stand in solidarity for Black Lives Matter and say her name. Also, in light of Pride Month, I believed it would be a good time to talk about privilege, oppression, and intersectionality. So privilege is defined as, in this article I read called Theoretical Foundations for Social Justice Education, as, quote, unearned access to resources and social power that are only available to some as a result of their advantaged social group membership, unquote. In the U.S., many argue the most privileged person is an able-bodied, middle-aged, white male who is Christian, straight, and economically secure. This perception of the ideal identity dominates everything else. Oppression is defined as, from the same paper, as, quote, a system that maintains advantage and disadvantage based on group membership and operates intentionally and unintentionally on the individual, institutional, and cultural levels, unquote. So if you don't conform to any of the acceptable identities, then you're basically oppressed. But it's hard to conform to what's acceptable. Why? Because how can you change what you were born with? How can you change your heritage? How can you change your upbringing? And then society, it puts all these isms on you. You know, racism, sexism, heterosexism, classism, so many more. And confines you into these identity boxes and oppresses you. So intersectionality, I believe, is a really important concept to address. In simple terms, intersectionality is many levels of discrimination people face when much of their social identifiers are in the oppressed category. In 1851, a famous abolitionist, Sojourner Truth, alluded to this idea in her speech, Ain't I a Woman? Sojourner Truth, a former slave, delivered this powerful and riveting speech about the intersection of black rights and the feminist movement. Sojourner explained that assuming a black woman and a white woman share similar experiences is not true. Yes, they are both women, but one due to melanin in her skin has a completely different life and human experience in society. Also, I read, I remember reading this poem in school. It's called Who Said It Was Simple? And it was written by Audre Lorde, who is a black, she was a black lesbian poet. And she wrote it in 1973. And I think what drew me to the poem is she talks about how you cannot dismiss any one part of her. She comes as a whole package. She also brings up the topic of how a movement like feminism will advocate for one social reform in society, but oppress and dismiss the other movements such as racism. So, in the 1970s and 1980s, many black activists started to think about multiple oppression. In 1989, Kimberlé Crenshaw coined the term intersectionality. This is how she explains intersectionality. So, pretend you are standing at an intersection of two roads, constructed by social identifiers such as, let's say, race and gender. The traffic is all the different practices and policies in society that discriminate against you. 
But if an accident happens, vehicles can hit you from multiple directions. This can break you. This is what Sojourner Truth was implying too. A black woman will be hit from more directions, sexism and racism, than a white woman. For example, a female immigrant who is a person of color has three areas where she can be oppressed. But for someone observing her, it may seem like a simple addition. She's oppressed in three different categories. But her experience standing at this intersection is not a simple addition. It has a compounding effect on her life, experiences, opportunity, and it will affect her posterity. This is what Audre Lorde was saying. She is complex because of her many identifiers. So, who said it, intersectionality, was simple? So without intersectionality, movements such as the feminist movement often fail to embrace women of color, the LGBTQ community, disabled people, while only focusing on white women. So I think a good example of an issue in society that doesn't address intersectionality is the gender pay gap. According to Business Insider and Payscale, it's true that women are paid 80.5 cents for every dollar a man makes. But black women, Native American women, and Latinas are paid less than white women. Black women, for example, make 62 cents for every dollar a white man makes. Now, Asian women earn on average more than white women at 85%, but intersectionality is not addressed within this group, as it fails to recognize that some Asian ethnic groups are not truly reflected in the 85%. For example, Laotian women are paid 58%, and Burmese women are paid 50%. So, women living intersectional realities, either due to race, sexual orientation, religious beliefs, language barriers, immigration status, etc., will face the detrimental compounding effects of multiple biases on their earnings. And failing to acknowledge this intersectionality women face, the gender pay gap will only perpetuate. I think one of the first times I started to really notice intersectionality was during the 2018 U.S. Open Women's Final. It was Serena Williams versus Naomi Osaka. And non-tennis fans and tennis fans alike remember this controversial match for one key thing. Serena Williams was unfairly treated by the umpire on the basis of both sex and race. To sum up the events of that match, Serena was first accused of being coached, and in tennis, you're not allowed to get coaching. So she retaliated, saying that in her two decades of playing on the Pro Tour, she has never cheated, and her record just proved it. And this accusation reveals a double standard, as many male tennis players have received coaching, but they didn't get warned or robbed a point because of it. And so after a back and forth in their conversation, between um, Serena and the umpire, Serena ultimately called him a thief for stealing a game. In tennis, a point can change the outcome of a match, so a game without a doubt was going to change the result. So many men have spoken out, saying that they have cursed at the umpire and called them so many horrible names, yet they didn't get reprimanded. Also, the racism... It came into play when Serena gained a lot of media attention for behaving like a crazy, angry black woman. 
and there's men in the tennis world such as John McEnroe who's the king of temper tantrums and he's just seen as exercising his masculinity and power. So Serena Williams is the greatest athlete of all time but it's not because she's just she's a sensational tennis player both physically and mentally but I believe it's because she's created a super successful and amazing career while having to struggle with the intersectionality of racism and sexism every single day on the court. So intersectionality, it helps us understand the problem and better conceptualize privilege and depression, but it's not the solution. Although it does allow us to understand the different identifiers in society, it does categorize us into boxes yet again. What needs to happen is that regardless of what intersection you stand at, this traffic, practices and policies that discriminate against you shouldn't crash into you. This is why you shouldn't drink and drive and text and drive. So many people may not fully be aware of their privilege. It's sort of like how you can't know happiness without experiencing sadness. You can never know your privilege without experiencing some form of oppression. That's why we all need to step into other people's shoes and educate ourselves about lives that are not necessarily like our own. By making an active effort to see things from the perspective of others, you will not necessarily get rid of your privilege, but you will be aware of it. Then we will be able to stand in solidarity and show our support to those who do not share the same privileges as us. So I really do hope you learned something from what I just said and please take it to heart and educate yourselves. I've put in a list of um, anti-racist racism resources and um, if you go to the link if you scroll all the way to the bottom there's resources for kids and teens and there's movies to watch and books to read um i remember becoming is on the list it's amazing it's a documentary that follows michelle obama on her book tour she gives a lot of amazing advice um some of the books are like um the hate you give stella by starlight both awesome so please check out the list go educate yourself step into someone else's shoes see a different perspective Um, Thank you so much for listening, and I can't wait to talk to you guys next time.